Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet jazz. If you feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Good, Jason. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Um, so, yeah, everybody, uh, Pod at gmail.com. If you've got any thoughts, just feel free to share with them or, or get at us at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we, uh, we're both, we're kind of running a bit short on time, so I just want to, like, just dive right into it, man. Is that right? Go right ahead. Yeah, so, because, okay, so you had an idea, because um, it flashed across, and it was to cover backstory, the decision. Um, so yeah, I don't know if, how, how it wasn't necessarily advertised heavily, but we both, we both caught it. Basically Don Venata Jr. Um, with ESPN did a one hour, just kind of reviewing LeBron's one hour episode, one hour uh, special on ESPN back in 2010 to announce his free agent decision in Miami. So, um, Don, he, so he just sort of, it was a retrospective look at that, you know, kind of uh, some of the players behind the scenes and what happened after it. But before we go into the details, do high level, what kind of your take, any kind of takeaways high level of the, uh, of the show you saw? I did not like the show. I, okay. I was hoping for more of a 30-30 feel. Okay. 30 for 30 yeah. feel. This was yeah. a little too light at me. I, I kind of, because I think this was a heavy topic and it could okay. have gotten heavier, but Maybe it was conscious um, because they did allude that they are, you know, producing this documentary in okay. this COVID era. So uh, okay. maybe they were going to go a different approach and then they just kind of decided to, um, it, it's really hard to explain, but um, it, it wasn't the hardest hitting um, yeah. content from ESPN, even though they got some great sound bites, you know, like, you know, Michael Wilbon, you know, came with his A game and, and so did a bunch of the other guys. So. I think there was great content, but just, you know, from a shooting, from a dramatic point of view, it was, um, you know, it was, it was a bit bubblegum for me, but okay. um, it's still, you know, the, it, it's still, um, it still did its job. They did reflect on a, a pretty, a pretty pivotal moment. I mean, everyone's. Yeah. Everyone's going to remember the decision, even if oh, they pretend probably. that they're not going to remember yeah. the decision. It's like everyone knows okay. where they were during the decision, yeah. right? And it, it's it actually is, um, it is in our lexicon. Yes, we're going to get to the actual decision back then, ten years ago. I think I because I just wanted to first get get at the uh, the show. I pretty much had the same same feeling you did about it. I'm watching it. Okay, definitely light. I was. It would have been better if it was like E60 or 30 for 30. Is yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I don't. I, I actually haven't seen E60 in a long time, but um, they definitely do really good stories. This yeah. wasn't that in depth. And a part of it is because <laughs> it's a bit weird. Don Venata Jr. I had to look this guy up because I, I didn't like him. Didn't like the look on his face when he was doing his interviews. Uh, I know we agree that we'd be like more positive going to this, like when we started doing this podcast. But I'm just reserving special just disdain for this guy. He um. Wow. Very talented journalist he already. Like I'm looking at him. He is a Pulitzer. He did a whole bunch of stuff on like bin Laden and 9-11 and just, just real world events. Like he wasn't just a sports guy. So like to me, it was weird. The opening of the show that he's doing these, he's talking about how he's locked down with COVID. He's in his office. He's, they're showing him, there's drone shots of him on a phone. It's like, 
are you the story hated or what's it. going on here? Hated it. It was so yes. weird yes. to me. Thank and you. Then yes. Hated it. The and the the closing of it was okay because I mean newsflash like the decision happened and it was LeBron just saying he went to Miami but like um, he would, I thought the closing was going to be more about the decision other words but it felt like it was more about himself. Like this is how mm -hmm. this meant for me as a journalist. It meant that players yeah. are going to talk to me. And then the end is like um, he, he's talking about how oh like players now they're creating their own media platforms. Like that means that we're out of jobs or whatever. And like all his interviews, they were all reporters like Bomani mm -hmm. Jones and ESPN execs John Skipper and I forget the other guy's name is a really long name Clinsdale Clinsdale whatever like yeah. um, the guy at the bar and then and and Chris Broussard he, he, not he, even he was great. Anymore. He was great. Sorry? No, the, the guy at the bar whose name uh, uh me. Yeah, uh, he was. It was good. I mean, these guys are all knowledgeable. I totally respect ESPN journalists, is what they are for generally speaking. There's a few guys I don't really respect at all, but like, um, like it was just weird. It's like we're gonna interview the journalists, and some of them weren't. They're not close to the situation. Like Chris Broussard is never close to anybody, really. Like, yeah, he's not a guy that I ever looked to for any. Uh, news tip or anything um same here same here and so like it was really weird and then like uh I, I didn't understand if he's trying to make the media the story or what so i didn't like that now a couple little points there um about the show scott rob i just uh oh, no you know what i'll save about that because that's really going to get into the actual decision i just yeah. thought it was funny um you mentioned wilbon um like in, in giving his interview and this is my last point before we dive right into it is uh i thought it was funny how he they're talking about the decision and lebron sort of defending lebron uh, sorry will bond mike will is defending lebron like you know he it's, it's people that don't like the control over him blah 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 mm -hmm. and then then they showed miami the the the, the show on stage and, okay i wasn't a fan of it but like will bond has to get it in there and don venata jr has you know, feels the need to include it in the cut that Wilbon's just taking a shot protecting his guy Jordan. Like, um, yeah, like, I mean, go to there, go to Miami, you know, exercise your free agency, but don't tell me, don't compare me, don't, don't, don't do that comparison to Jordan. It's just not true. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just like, what does that have to do with this? Like, how, why is this even yeah. in here? Um, yeah. I thought that was weird. I, I respect Wilbon. Like, he's got his opinion. He's of a certain era. He's from Chicago and Jordan's mm -hmm. his guy, who's been his guy. But, uh, but like we just we did that earlier pod wrong time wrong team where I make the case that like you know who was LeBron Scotty who was his Dennis who was his Phil who was his Jerry Krause who was his Tony Kukoc who was his Horace Grant I'm just who was just Steve Kerr I'm going down the list of guys who basically all have a you know reasonable shot of either they are in the Hall of Fame or could could have been like um, well they're perennial All Stars right so I just uh, I I don't agree with that about Will Bond but um. Sorry, this, this, to... this should have been this should have been Bill Simmons start to finish. Just just give this guy the project, okay. man. He he would have crushed it. He would have crushed it. It's a good point. Yeah, yeah. would have been. Yeah, um, he actually would have. Don Vanetta. I mean, even if they had to keep it in SBN, like that guy Jeremy Schaub, whatever. Oh, Shaw, Yeah, was. but he does he does them all. Yeah, but like I mean, he's I good. Um, I, I'm I'm with you, Jason. This was uh, yeah. this was underwhelming at times. And like, what what are we talking about here? Like, I don't want to see your house. I don't want to see <laughs> Zoom shots of you, um, you know, pacing your room on a cordless. Like, this is ridiculous. But I didn't. Yeah. It was weird because it wasn't like he was actually narrating about himself. 
Even if yeah, you're just super weird. doing the shots, I get it. But mm -hmm. it's weird that you're it's like he's making himself the story. Yeah. And it's ironic that he's talking about the decision, which is now we're about to go into, because the criticism about the decision <clears throat> is that Le like well, I guess what David Stern and all these guys had problems with was LeBron making it all about himself and it's kind yeah. of uh so it's just really ironic that you are using a news story, uh, a show, to basically make it about yourself, talking about a guy, criticizing him, making it about himself. So anyway, um, um, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about the actual decision. Um, like, question. First question: Did you actually watch the whole show, the whole one-hour decision? No, no. It was so. Okay. I think so. They started before the Lakers game, I think. And, okay. And then I, yeah. And then if oh, I no, no, but it wouldn't have happened because this was the off season, right? It was free agency. Uh, why am I? Mm, I might be conflating two different things. So it's okay. I remember watching different the decision. Day. Yeah, I think I was working my part time job. I think I was working okay. my part time job at a hotel in Oakville, and okay. I know that's where I saw the decision. Um, okay. At the, okay. Um, at the uh, the lobby bar, and so yeah, I think um, I think it was playing in the background. I kind of told the guy, it's like, hey, let me know when they're getting to it. They're gonna, I think they're gonna cut to commercial and say decision coming up next, and sort of instead of all this fluff that we got, right? Which I know we're gonna have issues with that, but so yes, I did see the decision. Yeah. So I I um I I remember distinctly where I was when I heard because I had um, my parents. I was living in downtown Toronto at that point in time. Like I was in my, I was really heading into my stride. That's kind of like the, my, if I think of peak Jason, peak Toronto, that was that period there. Wow. I started to really just love it. Cause I was heading into the summer. It was my first summer living on my own in the city. So um, that was your like so my, highest earning potential, the, all the endorsements were <laughs> no, coming your way. Okay. Uh, that part's not true. No, <laughs> okay. but I was going to live like it was. So then, um, all right. <laughs> so then, I uh, I was just living in the city and we're heading in the summer and it was good. So, but but then there were some people from out of town. I can't even remember who we were, but but my parents came to pick me up. We went to some family dinner in the city, and then um, afterward they were dropping me off, and um, I heard it on the radio. LeBron James is going to the Miami Heat. Mm -hmm. I hadn't really been keeping tabs with the like the room. I, I mean, I didn't really cared that much about the transactions at that point in time. But the thing is, and we're gonna probably get into it a bit, like is summer 2010 twitter wasn't the force that it is now um yeah. you still kind of would check nba.com and mm -hmm. the tv sh the the you know 11 o'clock sports center or whatever at that point in time um and so like it was a bit of a shock and i wasn't aware of what the rumors were before that miami was even a possibility um but actually just actually i realized maybe i should have given a bit of a just an overview about like, cause free agency 2010 for anybody who wasn't really following the time, like it was the first time really ever in the NBA that that many players were all gonna have free agency lining up at about the same time. And I think it's because, I think it's because the collective bargaining agreement was, um, was had been kicking in from 2005 or six or so. And so mm -hmm. it was like, when you started introducing the rookie scale contracts and so now they were all sort of laddering up about the same time. Um, and a bit of it we later realized was LeBron, Wade, Bosch, other guys were actually structuring their contracts to come out at the same time. But so, so many guys, like you had those three guys, you had Amari Stoudemire. Um, I try to remember who else was a free agent that, because it was a, it was a ton of guys. Um, uh, anyway, but there was, uh, that's when the rumors were running hot. But um, so the, the decision, um, 
I, I, list, I didn't actually see the broadcast. So I didn't have a full appreciation of how bad it was. What I ended up seeing later was like the, uh, the jerseys burning and the fans just going nuts mm-hmm. in Cleveland. Did you? But don't you think? Don't, don't you think that's yeah. all people are going to remember? Like it took this documentary <laughs> to, to to point out how awkward everyone is. Like no one, no one cares that Jim Gray and LeBron <laughs> talked for like ninety minutes before and that awkward questions and just clearly stalling for time. <laughs> they had to. No, everyone's going to remember taking my talents to. Yeah, DC. that's true. I mean, that's what they keep playing. Yeah. Taking my talents to DC, taking my talents to Miami or to South Beach? South I can't Beach. remember now. South okay, Beach. Taking my talents to South Beach. And yeah. do you have any regrets? And um, wow, this is hard <laughs> for me to say, right? That that was it. And then, yes, immediately after, just the jerseys burning. I mean, so that's already <laughs> an issue I have with this documentary that they tried to make it seem like it was a train wreck. And okay. it's like, yeah, it's a train wreck if you focus on the part that no one else in the world ever focuses about and no one's ever going to remember. <laughs> yes, yes, it is a train wreck from that nuanced perspective. It's a train wreck for the media who has to now create a new narrative for all their stories for the next few years. It doesn't make yes. any sense anymore. You know yes. what I mean? Oh, yes. no. Um, that's funny. Uh, I like the mont. Actually, I did like that montage where they just showed all the the journalists, all of them, honestly, they're all white. Like just, ah, they just were criticizing and criticizing, even actually oh really respected God, guys yeah. like Adrian Wojnarowski and um, like, so, I mean, he it was anything, you know, did he? Woj is There was pretty... a quote there. Some, uh, it was, I mean, it wasn't as egregious as, as other stuff. It was just, um, you know, I, I forget exactly what he said. Because because Woj in 2020 plays everything close to the vest, right? He he pretty much doesn't give his opinion on anything. He's just the guy that breaks stuff, right? I mean, I don't think he would do that. Um, you know, well, you, with, you do like, realize he got suspended from ESPN <laughs> like a day or two ago. Re- no. Okay, okay so uh, uh, we're, we're getting a little political, I guess. But uh, Jeff Hawley, the Republican senator from Missouri, had sent a press release out criticizing the NBA for, <clears throat> like, um, for not really standing up for American values and the whole China issue. That and then, but they will criticize law enforcement and that kind of stuff. So he was just, you know, he's, he's playing his playing to his base, and so sends out that press release and sends an email. It goes to the NBA or ESPN as well, and. And Woj from his ESPN account just replies an email back to Senator Holly, just says, fuck you. And so, yeah, so that right now. Oh, yeah. So then Holly wow. put that up on Twitter. And then as a result, ESPN has suspended Woj without pay indefinitely. I mean, I'm like he's going to be back, his, but they just let it cool off. Yeah. Oh, he'll definitely be back. Um, I'm just seeing his apology <laughs> tweet right here. Wow. I didn't think the Woj had it in him. This guy's like <laughs> no. a Boy Scout, man. I didn't think he had it in him. Good for him. Okay. So, I, uh, okay, I'm not finding the quote, but it, it flashed up pretty quickly in the montage. Um, okay, let's just say that he was, it, it was of, really, yeah, it was just like, uh, disappointing or something to that okay. effect. It wasn't sure as you know, when Stephen A came out against Kevin Durant, he just said, Well, that's mm-hmm. the what did you say that's the weakest move by a superstar I've ever seen. Like, I was just that one's, yeah. but then I think mm-hmm. Stephen A actually walked Steve. that back like a week later, but anyway, um, <clears throat> with uh, with the decision. Um, um, I get what you're saying. They blew it up, but okay. You touched on Jim Gray. Tell me. I mean, I was looking forward to hearing what you had to God. say about Jim Gray. Okay, so so Jim Gray. Uh, of course, I have to divert to this word. Jim Gray is just like 
a sports buzzkill. I mean, this guy, <laughs> this guy just like he's terrible at baseball. He's terrible at boxing. I mean, you remember the okay. famous Mike Tyson <laughs> pipe bomb promo where he's like, I'm coming for you, Lennox. Right. He's just oh, he's murder okay. like like the greatest promo of all time <laughs> is going down. And Jim Gray is a trying to be a journalist and ask questions in the middle of this money promo. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing, Jim Gray? Let Mike Tyson have the floor. This is just it's money. Like, this is gonna be we're still quoting to this day where we're seeing anniversaries of of Mike Tyson saying I'm coming for you, Lennox. I mean, this is Jamie Foxx is gonna play Mike Tyson upcoming movie. We know that Jamie's gonna um, you know, um, uh, they're 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 gonna um embark on on that moment it's just it's just a seminal moment in mike tyson professional boxing career and jim gray's trying to insert himself like what are you doing stay out of the way he embarrasses pete rose at an all-star game um i can think of one or two other moments where it's just jim gray being he's very he's very seedy and supine and just like the guy that you know it's like i get this weird jim gray like he's probably the guy that like walks into marketing and just starts giving out back rubs to all the female employees. I just, <laughs> I just, just, I just, just Jim Gray. No. Um, and that, and to find out in this, in this backstory that Stuart Scott was considered, <laughs> I mean, who dropped that fucking ball is what I want to know. I hope it's not LeBron's people. Uh, well, that was the thing. And I was trying to find it in the, in this doc, but I think it was in somebody somewhere else. I read it or heard it, but apparently First, ESPN was not happy with having Jim Gray because he wasn't on ESPN's team. He wasn't on the contract with them. No, of course So not. ESPN wanted to have one of their own guys, and so that's why Bob Lee and Stuart Scott, to your point, were considered. But LeBron's camp was adamant that it was Jim Gray. Like that, wow. there had to. I don't know. Here's the thing. Like, um, I like that you shared those that light on him because I don't remember enough about him in the 2000s, and I had to kind of just search like, why would he be picked? And I get like what LeBron's camp might have been trying to do is lend this because lebron was still relatively young and he hadn't really established himself as this larger than life bigger than the game type of personality yet right he was still the biggest guy in the league but he hadn't become the media the this media darling um jim gray was letting this like air of credibility i mean uh, well, it was on pay-per-view right it was on showtime he was like you don't you get stuart scott for free you pay for jim gray i get okay. that but I mean, who the hell would pay for Jim Gray is, is the question that should be begged, but go on. And I think this is them sort of being novices and not thinking like they hadn't yet developed their own creative muscles, right? Like, cause you're still following this model of like, okay, so who's a broadcaster supposed to be? Who's an interviewer supposed to be? It's supposed to be like Bob Costas and Jim Gray, mm -hmm. but like, let's say we're going to talk about what would you do differently, but like later on, but like if they were to do a different like the same exact setup but a different which would have been a mistake anyway but in 2020 the interviewer might have been somebody like like Stephen a or like lee jenkins or or i'm thinking who else like maybe max kellerman like it wouldn't be such a straight laced guy like jim gray yeah jim rome no. maybe i think jim rome would have been jim rome sure because he was i mean he was he was a bit toxic like <laughs> yeah, he's he's that, but 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 LeBron's yeah. camp probably could not control a, a Jim Rome. So yeah, probably, I mean, it would be no. somebody that they wanted, but someone with a little more because Jim. Rome, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was 2010, so it was like it was actually a period of time where that whole dress code thing, like it was still relatively fresh, right? Yeah. Um, 
so that's what they are. That's kind of where they were as as a league at that point. Yeah, um, buttoned up. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything? Sorry, did I cut you off? Anything else about Jim Gray? I wanted to hear what you had to say about it. It's great because like he's just <laughs> he's just. Um, I mean, he's kind of boxing royalty right now. You know, you kind okay. of associate him with like you know um, okay. post Floyd Mayweather fights, but okay, no, Jim Gray is just. Um, I mean, we could do. Uh, what are the podcasts we've done before? Right team, right place, wrong. This guy's just, this guy's just wrong. Birth canal, wrong. <laughs> like, oh, Jim Gray. I mean, get this guy out. Of here, man. Just, just capital H hack. Um, I have nothing good to say about Jim Gray. Ever. Okay. I, I think honestly that like I, I might faint after I say this. Like, give me Skip Bayless instead of Jim Gray. Give me Stephen <laughs> That give would have been Colin Coward. Else, eh? Yeah, because at least um, – okay, so they're all con men at the end of the day, right? That's, that's my <laughs> basic opinion on them. But okay, Jim Gray is just this um, untrustworthy kind of snake <laughs> in the grass kind of guy. Just I got, I got nothing good to say about him. At least Skip makes me laugh. Stephen A makes me <laughs> laugh. I mean, they're they're so absurd sometimes, and they're so wrong sometimes. They make me laugh. Jim Gray does yeah. just no. Jim Gray, I wanna, I wanna throw a remote through the through the hide through. Say that again. I wanna throw my remote at the TV when I see Jim Gray. I really do. Just got nothing so, to say about him. Like I don't because rem- I don't really have any stark memories of Jim Gray. But based on what we saw there of him, those clips and what I've seen him, like my yeah. uninformed biased opinion just based my prejudice opinion because I'm, I'm prejudging like what it would be is skip bayless Stephen a it looked like they're showmen putting on their show but like exactly you can easily picture them like on a tuesday morning like they just walk out of the garage carrying their garbage to the bin mm-hmm. in a very mm-hmm. nondescript way and mm-hmm. waving hello to the neighbor saying hey and then mm-hmm. they go back in like that's what you picture yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like a normal guy but then once they get on camera they're just turning it up like the way Steve Austin would on camera. Yeah. And um, with Jim Gray, you like, I, I get that impression just like what you described. Just a really sneaky guy. Like, yeah. He looks like he might have backstabbed other like would be anchors throughout his career. He doesn't look like a, yeah. And now what's not fair too is me and you are both millennials. And I think maybe he might have been something for for like the boomer generation like he just looks different um, like we can really i've and i've seen we just of don't... jim gray well you know because the thing is he used to do he was a baseball guy he was a prominent yeah. baseball guy so and i watched a lot of baseball and i watched those you know jim gray years i mean he was okay he was kind of like the sideline reporter type of guy yeah. um he was okay with that it's really when he moved to showtime okay um well, first he kind of got blackballed by MLB because of the way he handled Pete Rose, and then okay, then they started asking for his opinions on things, and I just <laughs> never, yeah, okay. it's, it's when it's when they actually it was actually when they started pitching it to him, that's when I lost. I'm like, wow, this guy is just a complete hack. Like, who he okay. must know where the bodies are buried. That's the only reason why he has a job. Okay. It's funny how you mentioned like Skip Bayless like taking his trash out. Like you picture him as like a a guy, just Jim Gray, just like he's putting on an act. Up. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just figure need to act. I, the um, <laughs> the thing it's it's interesting. So leading up to this, I, the backstory for how it came together, right, was Bill Simmons 
had received a fan letter in his mailbag. By the way, everybody, please send us any letters, any questions, any comments. We'll talk about bayheightspot at gmail.com. Just repeating that. So Bill's uh, fan said, hey, you know, they should just turn it into like a pay-per-view event or whatever. So it yeah. floated up initially that way through ESPN in a parallel track. Ari Manuel, the superstar agent there in LA, and Jim Graves somehow pitched it to Maverick and LeBron. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of what kick-started this stuff. And, <clears throat> and so like leading up to it, um, apparently like, Leon Rose, who was LeBron's agent at the time, uh, Rich Paul hadn't yet taken over full reign, I believe. And Leon Rose, and I think Worldwide West, uh, Wesley, I forget his last name, like one of those agents who just has a really good relationship with a lot of guys. And those guys who had been around the business had sort of advised LeBron's camp and Maverick, like, hey, maybe this could actually backfire. I mean, maybe this won't be a good idea. Uh, and I was trying to find where I heard this because it wasn't in the doc. I thought it was. And I, I just, I thought I recall this happening. And and so then they still went ahead with it. And Maverick, you see him giving his uh, commencement speech at USC where he talked about how he felt like he let his best friend down and he ruined his career. And I mean, I was thinking about this, like that shows you uh, the level of loyalty and trust that LeBron has around mm-hmm. the guys in his circle. Like, cause yeah, like I, the way I picture this playing out you can see LeBron there, he doesn't look very comfortable in the seat for like a whole hour. Part of it is also because of Jim, Jim Gray. Yes. I mean, yes. He's not making him feel any more comfortable. No. But I'm sure, like uh, some other other interviewers would. But but okay, we've already talked about enough about Jim Gray. But like, um, you could like you kind of get the impression you put it all together. Like LeBron maybe had a feeling because LeBron's a smart guy. I don't think he's he's not he's not going to bat a thousand, but he he'll like he's generally right a lot of the time about stuff and you kind of just get the impression that he thought this wasn't going to go well, or this is not going well in the present, but he's still sitting there and he has to sit there. And you almost wonder too, like did Maverick who he trusts is like, yeah, like, no, 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 this is really going to be good. And he's being convinced kind of, mm-hmm. you kind of, I could, could say, you're kind of going to see a world where that sort of thing playing out, but I mean, we're not there, so we don't know. But just when you hear like, Hey, there's a few other people who think this is not really going to go well, which is Leon Rose, who is his agent. And really like all the, basically everybody outside of his circle, who's in the business was like, this is not going to go well. Like Bill Simmons, who, who was saying that he's just stopped bringing it up because he just assumed after LeBron lost to Boston, that it wasn't going to happen. Like they're not going to do that show. He was surprised that they were going ahead with it. David Stern didn't want to happen. And I don't, I don't really agree with the, the way it's portrayed in the, in the, in the show and backstory, how they're saying that, well, David didn't want to have the, let the player have all this power. I think that David wanted to protect his, his valued players who he can markets. And he thought that this was going to go badly and it was going to hurt like some of the marketability of his player. I, I thought that too until he just like shat on the words LeBron said, right? So I, I'm with you. I think that maybe if you ask, we obviously can't ask David Sir now, but I, I actually think that um, what we heard from David Sir is exactly how he felt. He, 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 I don't think he cared about the protection as much as he cared about his image, the NBA's image, a player going out there and making a spectacle of what should be done behind the scenes. I think that's against his like New York lawyer, NBA bullshit code. Right. (laughs) And so I think that he had a huge problem with that. 
And something okay. tells me that Adam Silver will also have a, a huge problem with that too, right? Because they're kind of cut from the same cloth. So I think uh, I'll, I'll actually disagree okay. with you a little bit on that. I think what we heard from David Stern is exactly how he feels through and okay. through. I'll, I'll rephrase it a bit. I think he personally probably felt pretty much like what you described. David Stern personally, because like nobody should get one up. You know, he's a bit like Vince McMahon in some ways, right? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. He should be in control. But I yeah. do think that the the motivating factor for David would have been, this is not going to be good for business. Now, it turned out he was wrong. It was actually really yeah. good for business, I think, in the end. But I think his motivation probably was, I want to market LeBron. And if, if his Q rating drops to like zero, then I can't really market my best player in the league. It's tough, right? Now, because mm-hmm. he's not thinking like Vince McMahon, because Vince McMahon would just be like, oh, you hate Roman Reigns? I'm going to use that. You hate John Cena? Yeah. Even though I'm trying to push yeah. him, I'm going to figure out how to use it. Yeah. The NBA hadn't really got there yet. Now no. they kind of, I think now they're a lot better at knowing how to do that stuff. Yeah. Because LeBron led the way. Um, mm-hmm. So so with Maverick, I just thought, uh, like, yeah, that's a real testament to, like, LeBron's loyalty because I mean there are uh, plenty of companies and athletes and professionals where if you make that kind of mistake I think mm-hmm. like that's it you're out you're out of job well and he's a cup a couple things have happened right a it's not a mistake 10 years later and number two but at that time sure and but um at, well I think at the time I think also LeBron was trying to give a big fuck you to everyone trying to tell him <laughs> what to do hey you can't have this this isn't real life entourage you can't have your buddies like yeah, you know, make your deals for you. Like, there's sports agencies out there, like, and you're getting your high school buddy to do it. So, I think LeBron, you're right. Um, a mistake like that would cost normal people their jobs, but I think LeBron was also like, um, maybe I don't know. Like, you, you're the one that said that he's a smart guy. Maybe he was able to kind of see past yeah. all that. So it's like, if I cut this guy right now, I'm basically agreeing with all these. Yeah, you know. Uh, all these elites out there that said that, like, I should have cut bait with this guy the second I got, you know, my first contract. Yeah. But, you know, um, he 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 stuck with his he stuck with his guy in spite of that. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, because that's that's kind of pretty much feeding to the the main point I'm making, which is that it's like it's a testament, yeah, to his loyalty, his like Le- LeBron's loyalty, and his vision, and his leadership. Because like, kind of good leaders, what they do is you empower your team to go do things, to go make mm-hmm. decisions, to try things. And sometimes it won't work. Sometimes you, you try to mitigate the risk the best you can, and sometimes it won't work. And then you just sort of regroup. And then you, but you don't like punish the person for trying because then then you don't really get the full, you, then basically at that point, you're just going to stifle the next potential great idea. And so like you stick with these guys, you empower them so that they get better the next time. And so LeBron did do that. He didn't just, he wasn't just weak and he just sort of, ah, yeah, let's just go the traditional route, which also shows LeBron's sort of courage too, right? It's his multi-million dollar career at that point. And there's gotta be a little bit, just a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety that like, okay, I hope I'm making the right decision. Yeah. Um, Even, you know, you're gonna be hundred percent confident because you're making the decision, but there's still, you know, you're doing something that hadn't been done before. So, um, so it's a real testament there. Now, just backstory for um, people who are not aware, like Maverick Carter, like his college, his high school class, his high school teammate goes to college somewhere in Ohio. I think he dropped out. And LeBron, what he helped Maverick do is he helped hook him up with uh, a Nike internship. Like the thing is, is like we have people, I know in, in the West, like, I mean, this stuff happens in China all the time. It's how business is done, right? With relationships now and in the West, it's kind of viewed negatively. It's a nepotism. Well, yeah, but the guy showed up and he actually delivered work, right? Like if he wasn't mm-hmm. 
Like if he wasn't delivering, Nike was not going to keep him around. They would have booted him. That's just how it works. Um, and so he developed his acumen then so that later LeBron would make him his full-time manager. And so that, yeah, like they, and it was a good decision by LeBron. You're right. It, it proved out. Now it didn't, the decision, like it's, it ended up because of all the subsequent things that happened in the next 10 years, we look at it go, oh, yeah, that actually was really good. Um, like player empowerment, greater media attention, more greater marketability um, for the league, all that kind of stuff. Now for LeBron and Maverick, like, they talked about how this foray into media got them going so that they could create Spring Hill Entertainment, uninterrupted the platform. So <clears throat> like they saw a vision. And so anyway, I just, um, I thought it might've reflected potentially Maverick might've been a little stubborn potentially in, in why that still went ahead. Cause if you have Leon Rose and you have World Wide West who've been around saying, hey, this may not work. Uh, as much as you want to go do things your own way, like real professionals who've been in this game the long time, they kind of think, eh, maybe not, but, but anyway, like, um, I, I what, so I, I think you hit on two things, right? There was yeah. the decision, what happened that night. Um, there's no way they could have foreseen, you know, player empowerment and all this, you know, no, no, high yeah. flute and shit you're yeah. talking about. Right. I was just, that was, that's the that's legacy just, of this, right? Yes. Yeah. So there's no way they could have predicted that. Um, yeah. I mean, even at its core, if you think this was a big time ego grab, it's like they're both two young men. Like, I yeah. really don't have a problem with that. Like, again, we've mentioned that LeBron's um, only a couple years younger than us. Like, I would have yeah. done this. I know I would have done the same. I probably <laughs> would have made a pay per view event if I was LeBron James. I no, man, you're your pay per view. People pay to see you, right? So, um, they like those are the knocks against them. Oh, ego grab. Um, you know, how, how you know, uh, you're going to put this on TV. It's all about you, you and Maverick. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's kind of the point. It's and kind of the point. $2 we million dollars for the special. Board. Exactly. We're think we're that special and we're actually going to do it. So yeah, we do have that audacity to do this, right? $2 million for the boys and girls club, you know? Yeah. So. And, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because at the time I scoffed at that. I'm like, oh, okay. oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Like, again, young, dumb, and full of – yeah, I was that <laughs> guy, right? So – Okay. Um, and, and, and yeah, I remember people saying, oh, the charity, you know, they gave $2 million to put – but, you know, um, you know, we're both fathers now, and we both know more about socioeconomical – I'm probably saying that wrong – um, you know, yeah. we, 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 we care about poverty rates and things like that. These are just things we just don't scoff at anymore. Right. I mean, if you can raise $2 million in one night, you're going to be like, yeah, good, good for you, man. There's, there's worse, you know, there's worse <laughs> like $500 a plate dinners that do like bullshit charities than, than what they did <laughs> that night. Right. They actually did some yeah. decent That's work true. that night. So, um, yeah. And, um, and I was also going to say like the, the whole train wreck aspect of it, I think the reason why it's aged well as well, is because okay. we kind of like, we kind of like train wrecks, <laughs> right? I mean, there's a reason why Robocop <laughs> is a good movie again. Right? There's, there's a reason why like, um, Jerry Springer. Know, like Demo well, Jerry, Spr I, was, I was just thinking like these, these cult classics, like demolition oh, okay. man okay. and, and, uh, Robocop and, um, snakes on know, a plane, all these, Snakes on a Plane, exactly. Just like these just <laughs> atrocious, terrible movies. Street Fighter, even. And now, like, I'm watching them again. I'm just, I'm howling, right? And, and, um, and they're trending number one on Netflix and whatever platform. So we, I think we have a bit of, um, 
I, I think we like to see things and and revisit them and um, <laughs> and uh, and kind of get a kick out of it. So I, I think the to, to tie it all in, the decision has all that going for it. That's why it's like kind of aged the way it has ten years later. It's it's the legacy, it's the okay. bravado, and it's the train wreck. It's it's like kind of all the makings you can have. There's um there's one part. Okay, this next part we'll decide after we're gonna cut it. But like the uh, um scott robb so you I, I don't know if you were familiar with him at all i was no. not not before no this, i was uh, not show. either no no idea so he's the author of the, the the title of the book about lebron was the horror of akron right no. and to be honest i didn't actually even look at what the book was about um i'm gonna guess it was not complimentary this is about the time when lebron left now, scott robb's from ohio he's from yeah. cleveland and whatever, like, he's, like, talking about how he took it so personal that LeBron left. Yeah. And and I just, like, I have, I was digging to try and figure out what this guy was about. And it, it looks like he's actually pretty woke in a bunch of different ways. But, like, mm-hmm. um, but my impression looking at that show was that he was not. My impression of that show, I was just like, okay, you're, like, some of those guys who are burning the jerseys and ripping them up or yeah. whatever. And I grouped him with all of them. And yeah. then later when LeBron comes back and he wins and he builds the school, you see Le- Scott all emotional. So I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, okay. So LeBron left and did what was right for him. You hated him and he came back. Now you like him. So yeah. it's not about LeBron. It's about you. Yes. I was like, I don't like yes. you. I yes. hated him. So yes, yes then, me too. So yeah. like tying this in with the, the Jersey burning and all that, did you have any thoughts? Like, were you like at that time in 2010? Cause I know, okay. Where I was, I didn't like him leaving because I just bought into the orthodoxy of the way it was supposed to be, and I didn't, I didn't like. Okay, maybe I, maybe I did at that time, not like the fact that Bosch was leaving, so Toronto's going to suck even more than they were already going to suck. So, like, I think it's in retrospect. I, I mean, I think I said I didn't care. Maybe that was maybe why I was against it. I didn't like. I think I was just following the media along, following it like a sheep. So there was a bit of that. The jersey burning thing, like, oh, okay, they're burning. I didn't have an opinion of it. I didn't think about this at the time. Did you have any thoughts or views or like, yeah, not really? Yeah, definitely. Like, no, 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 no. I was, I was, I was very emotional. I, okay. I didn't like the decision and now, but here's the difference between me and this Scott Robb guy. How old was he when he wrote the horror? <laughs> like, so the, the whole point is that like, like, I don't know what Darwin award he's up for, but to write, to write a book with that kind of title takes a certain level of just, uh, I don't know, man. Like you're just vulgar, just crassness, and yeah. Like you're just like you're just that level of of loser that um, because he can write that. He's because I think he's written for Vanity Fair, and yeah, um, I actually kind of like authors from Vanity Fair, and and so I know that he has the credentials. Clearly, if he's like Vanity Fair, so, just yeah. doesn't hire scrubs, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so you have this pedigree. You're obviously a good writer. And you just come up with a, a, a book with that title. And then, yeah, to, like, squirmishly, like, you know, embrace LeBron when he comes back. Like, yeah, it's like, no, <laughs> you, you you cannot have your cake and eat it, too. Um, <laughs> I know. will admit when I will admit when the decision happened, I was, like, I think 27. And, okay. yeah, I was kind of maybe like a Scott Robb, you know, like, oh, okay. just, just disgrace to the game. Such reprehensible action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James, like shame on you young man type of thing. But, um, and then I remember I watched him 
like this this is the part that like you want to talk about Vince McMahon this is what happened I I watched LeBron James like for the next four years those Miami Heat years I okay. wanted him to lose all those four years and it was yeah. just <laughs> and it was maddening because you know he won <laughs> two lost two finals and it was just like it was and at the time I said so when LeBron lost to like this is how stupid I was when LeBron lost to the Spurs so he had just won two okay. championships I think I tweeted at the time instagram at the time and i know i made like a collage that's kind of like my thing (laughs) i'm I'm a collage guy i put that's it um he's not top five all time right like (laughs) i just i just wrote that so matter-of-factly and then right and then but um so i don't know what happened between it was it was at some point during the miami heat years and then he lost and then he joined the Cavs. So yeah. I, I'm crucifying LeBron one year and then I'm kind of slowly becoming a LeBron James guy because like I obviously everyone likes everyone likes the redemption story, right? He comes back to yeah. Akron, very blue collar like we talked about before. But then something happened to me in my personal life. Um, I've actually never shared this with anyone. It's actually a bit emotional. So spare with me, Jason. Okay. Um, and, and it kind of all happened at the same time. I um, it changed my life forever. It was really impactful. And that was, um, I turned 30 years old. I just had a birthday. I was 30 and it was the craziest seminal moment of my life. I I, like, I became an adult. I started thinking like one and acting like one and and having nuanced thoughts. And I, and I thought about things. I wasn't some goon anymore. I wasn't that (laughs) guy buying jerseys anymore. And like, yelling at tvs like (laughs) i I became a functioning member of society and i think the problem with like a lot of people from our generation and the reason why like it's one thing to have a grievance when you're like if you were like under 25 years old and you burn your lebron jersey okay that's that's fine that's i can kind of give you a pass because you're young you're emotional you're invested but once you start like adulting um, and you're still yelling ex- expletives at the TV and yelling that LeBron still sold out. Yeah, I I don't think there's anything out there in the world for you to get a grip of. I think you've lost that opportunity. Um, I, I, I just I just can't help these people. So to tie it all in, yes, I did not like the decision. It was, and I didn't even like Cleveland. I didn't even like the the Cavs, but I felt for them, and I thought that okay. he did take the easy way out. But then years later, it's like, no, man, this guy is just doing him and and good for him. And if you are anywhere, any type of millennial, and you still harbor these feelings toward LeBron James because of what he did in 2010 with that decision, I got no time for you. Zero time for you. (laughs) Um, I, I, the whole, like the, the fans burning their jerseys and stuff, like, okay, it's interesting. Like, I don't know if I had an opinion where I was like supportive of them because like, um, like, I just didn't, I, I'm like, well, that's not Toronto. I mean, I don't really think of anything of you guys. Like, I don't know if I had much empathy. And so when I, when I see Scott Robb, and I know that's not true for him, but I'm looking at all those fans, and you see the way they acted. And I remember Will Bond talked about this. He talked about this, but there's a bit of a racial element and control. Yes. And it's Ohio. And you look at the, the blonde girl crying, and then they're all ripping the jersey up and thinking, yeah. okay, what percentage? And I'm asking you, maybe rhetorically, maybe literally, you can answer if you want. What percentage of all those fans you see in the camera in the screen there all voted for Trump in 2016? Because <laughs> like, 100%. 100%. Just like, yeah. You know? 
100%. And like, I mean, it's, and this touches on, of course. So, so I'm like, okay, I don't really have that much empathy for you. And so then the thing is interesting is about sports fans and the way ESPN and everyone always wants to celebrate these fans and like, oh, like the fans so great and whatever. Now we're starting to hear a little bit more different stuff, but like, like Utah and like, like uh, Cleveland and these teams, like, no, like, I don't know. It's just interesting that there's this cognitive dissonance where, you know, like the, the players and the ESPN can get a lot more political now, but they'll never like, and they will like kind of sort of take a stand on different supporters, but they never, there's this cognitive dissonance where they sort of separate the fans that are showing up in these different cities with these movements and causes and stuff that, that they're opposing. They don't realize that, or they just not reporting about how, like you look at uh, how about how a lot of these fans are essentially opposing or essentially in opposition. Like they're basically not aligned with what you're thinking. For example, like Kevin Durant and James Harden and Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma city, they're making a run the, you know, it's the storybook team, the Cinderella team. If you look at 2016, Trump won every single county in Oklahoma. So, mm. um, yeah, I just, I just, when I, when I see like the fans that are burning LeBron's Jersey, like that's flesh, that's what kind of flashes to my head. I'm just like, all right. Like, I think there's more of a spotlight on this. Like the idea about how much owners should be like, as of Dan Gilbert's email, um, that mm -hmm. weird email, like how much yeah. owners be thinking about these players. The next yeah. frontier that I think that's going to happen over the next 10 years is the media is going to start examining like the different fan bases and realize like not all the fan bases are the same in every city. Yeah. Because like right now you can't say that because that's not good for business, but that's where they're headed. You can already sort of see that it's coming up. Oh. Like, people talk about Utah and it's just not, yeah, it's not, it's not broadcasting as much. And I think that's where it's headed, which I don't know that's going to be good for business. Um, but it's, uh, it, you can kind of see things heading in that direction. So what were you going to say? percent. I mean, well, I mean, Tom Bray just left New England and went to Tampa and, you know, like, I don't care what your reason is for like the the level of excellence of you know a Tom Brady, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, like tippy top guys. I don't care what their reason is for for leaving the current team that they that they leave. Yeah. Um, the fact is they just they want out. So I don't yeah. care what reason X, Y, and Z is, right? So yeah. LeBron, I don't even know why he wanted to leave Cleveland. I don't even think he gave a good answer. It doesn't matter. The point is oh. he left. He he did in a decision. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. But the point is, is that yes, LeBron James uh leaves cleveland uh we're gonna we're gonna burn his jerseys like uh you know um cletus and uh and and um and carly ray and other people from jerkwater ohio they're gonna like burn their jerseys and like tom brady leaves boston and like people are just crying but they're not burning his jersey they're like oh that's like a rock star like leaving town they're just like sad they uh, want to yeah. come back and you know, it's like nothing's made of it. So, uh, I mean, of course, we don't, you and I don't even have to go there because it's so obvious, right, of why some guys' reactions are so visceral and others are just, you know, business as usual. I think um, just, yeah, I mean, but it's a little different that Tom Brady already won them a few Super Bowls. He'd already played like a whole, almost a whole career there and ultimately Bill Belichick and then probably just didn't want to give him multiple years. I think Brady wanted more multiple like more years than they were going to give him on a contract. I still think if, I think if, uh, I think if LeBron won one or two championships and maybe 
it was like a, a, uh, like a frustrating two years that he didn't come close to win. Maybe they were one and outs or didn't make the playoffs and just suddenly it was still the feeling of abandonment, right? It was still the feeling oh, yeah, of, yeah, oh, yeah. we're not good enough for you. You're going to go to a fancy win. Miami where they have <laughs> hot Cuban women and spicy food and like beaches and like what's what's wrong with Cleveland, Ohio? I don't know. Like, <laughs> smog? Like, of course. Like, he, he, like, cl- like he left Cleveland when he was young, good looking. He went to like the sexiest city in America. You know what I mean? It's like Atlanta, LA, Miami. He picked like Miami, right? It's just, you know, you just think of like, it's it's Scarface. It's just it's 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 Miami Vice. It's it's paradise, right? And here he is, like going to like um, yeah. It was just there was so much there's so much uh, meat on the bone for and, these people to like hate. And um, yeah, it's because it's probably a lot of these people realize that oh my god, one of our own can't even stand it here. You, you know, the whole reason I brought up the whole Trump voter thing was because the whole thing that bugged me about one of our own was that whole idea was. Like LeBron from Akron, from a part of the of the state of the city, which was pretty rough. And it's like, you think like the way that the people all rally around and claim him as their son is like, yeah, but if that's the case, then well, how come you're letting like this one community just sort of suffer like the way that it yeah. is? You're all just, yeah. so I just thought that's extremely hypocritical. I'm like, yeah, but this guy had to play, You, he basically had to do what he's doing, like playing basketball at this really high level to go, feed his family and now you mm-hmm. you guys he didn't like what kind of assistance was he getting from any of them and then yeah now he's gonna so that that's the part that really just sort of sticks with me i'm like huh like yeah you know you created the system where you're not gonna help out okay fine then he creates a way out and now you say now he owes you i was like well, no what no i don't think so yeah so i, I think and that's also the part i that's the part i hate the most that you owe yeah. us like in terms of loyalty pledges it's that word owe that i hate and i i, I there's a million reasons why I hate it. I mean, America clearly has a legacy problem and like, you know, treating people as property. So you owe us has got to be, and he, and, and Cleveland's not the only one, like Dana White, I've, you know, you've heard me comment on Dana White before when he told George St. Pierre that he owes us. Uh, I, that's when I was, fuck you, Dana White. Right. So, so there's just, there's certain words that just, there's certain sound bites that just tell you all you need to know about certain people. And I think it's that word that it's definitely one. There's like five words that someone can say, and that's gotta be one. Oh, of them. But I think with George St. Pierre, like the agreement that like, I, I presume you're talking about the most recent um, comeback he had there was that no, the agreement was that not he at would. All. Not at all. I'm talking about okay. that. So it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting moment. It's when he decided that he, so he won, he beat Johnny Hendricks. It was his last fight at welterweight. Um, oh, I scored okay. it for no George, way. but a lot of people scored it for Johnny. But you know, he won by either split unanimous. Anyways, it was it was it wasn't robbery, but it was you know, uh, okay. most MMA media will say that Johnny should have won it. George okay, was dealing okay. with a lot of <clears throat> issues, and he wanted to walk away from the sport. And Dana White was like, "Oh uh, no, you don't. You owe us. You owe Johnny a rematch." And that's when George, well, George was such a nice guy. He didn't even say go fuck yourself, but he did say go fuck yourself. And I've actually heard people of people who uh, have met him in person. He's not that nice a guy, but anyway. No, um, no. And, and you know, yeah, we could, yeah. Dana White is uh, successful, brought, I mean, to purchase a company for $33 million and make it worth $4.2 billion is yeah. nothing to scoff at, but 
um, Dana White is uh, Dana White's just your classic strong arm, successful, you know, dick. So okay, that's what that's what the whole the whole LeBron thing is like. You owe us type of thing. Yeah, that 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 was just that's that, that yeah. was part of my maturation process. I'm like, okay, we're still shitting on this guy, really? <laughs> no, not having it. So this there's this other fact um, to look up. So they covered in in the in the backstory where. It was like the highest rated show that ESPN had done, 9.07 rating, which meant it was mm-hmm. just under 10 million people watched. Yeah. Just to put this in perspective, uh, do you know what the highest rated segment was in WWE Monday Night Raw history? Yeah. So I think it's, I think it was an Al Snow match because people were f- channel flipping. But I also want to say it was like maybe Mick Foley, The Rock, This Is Your Life. But um yeah i think it was an obscure match that got the yeah. highest at the time so but anyways yeah it was that, it was yeah that was close the this is your life that did an 8.4 or 8.5 mm-hmm. rating in september of 99 looked it up but it was actually uh austin beating undertaker for the championship on a monday night Raw oh, okay. okay in like may or june of 99 um, after the owen hart death it was yeah Yes, yeah, you're right. It was after o- yeah. Over the Edge pay-per-view. Yeah. And <clears throat> so um, this, so the, they did a 9.5 rating. So just, I just put, I just thought that was interesting. Just kind of think about this perspective of like mm-hmm. how many people were tuning into LeBron's decision is this high rating, whereas like Monday Night Raw, that one yeah. Raw episode did 9.5. Um, at the peak of wrestling too. You at the know peak I mean? of wrestling. Like, yeah. So we took t- a 9.5 for that raw and I didn't even bother looking up what WCW did <laughs> that same night. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's like probably about 15 to 20 million people all watching wrestling every single Monday. That's quite a lot of people actually. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and here's um, a guy just talking to Jim Gray and it just does <laughs> the, the best number ever. Right. Yeah. So that, I mean, all powerful numbers. I just, I just thought it was nice to like kind of put that in perspective. I think like mm. um, kind of um, the aftermath of this. Like I just the observation. One of the observations I had about um, LeBron is just like he, yeah. I mean, I made a comparison. He's kind of like Madonna, like just evolving with like through the arc of his career, adapting yep. to like different situations, staying fresh all the time, not afraid to put a sort of poke the bear not afraid to do things just a bit different and sort of just be ahead of the curve. And um, so, yeah, so I, I thought, and this decision is kind of like that in a way. Um, yeah. So um, I just thought that, and I think another thing that kind of came to mind at the end was about, you know, what's interesting is free agents. We talked about player empowerment, blah, 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 but this is how teams handle their impending free agents. Before 2010, like we we got to the end of Chris Bosh being in the end of Toronto, he just plays out his contract and he leaves. And teams used to just keep the player and think they could try to negotiate them to stay. Also, because they the extra year and a lot more money back when the contracts were a bit smaller. I mean, relatively. I mean, okay, they were still making a lot of money, no doubt. But that just used to be the way things were done. You would just keep the player and try to negotiate them when it expired. Um, you didn't really trade away star players unless they were unhappy like Vince or something like that. You just did everything mm-hmm. good to keep them. When LeBron showed, oh, I'm just going to leave, that's when teams sort of just changed their team. They're like, you saw the Darren Williams trade where he had still had like a whole year left, I think. Um, and they were just like, 
because yeah, there was first Carmelo Anthony. He was like, Carmelo didn't structure his contract the same way that Bosch, Wade, and LeBron did. He just took the four, full four years to just max out the money. Then he wanted to sort of get to his team and he wanted to, to sign the extension. So he forced a trade, which forced the Knicks to sort of just plunder the whole roster. Um, and then that sort of set the, that, uh, that also played a role. But then you had like Darren Williams being shipped off to the New Jersey Nets from Utah for a whole bunch of trade, for a whole bunch of assets. And then like what happened after that was now this is what we see, like whether it's um, Chris Paul left New Orleans, um, Anthony Davis left New Orleans. Okay, that's two different guys leaving New Orleans. Um, um, I forget who, uh, who else was there. The top, Kevin Dur. Well, Kevin Durant was a free agent. I mean, just the, the what I was really getting at was about teams who have agents. the players. Yeah. And now instead of what they used to do, which was try to wine and dine them, try to get them to stay, try to you know sell them on staying. And also, they used to believe that oh, it's likely going to stay. Whereas now they're always afraid the guy's going to leave. So they're like, mm -hmm. the thing is, the reason you tank and the reason you you go through the draft is to get these star players. So it doesn't make sense to me to even consider trading them away like unless they straight say to your face trade me away because i yeah i don't want to be here like i will not sign with you like if it's just a uh like you know if, if it's just a situation where maybe they're not 100 percent happy then you just got to keep them as long as you can like yeah. or worst case you do a sign and i don't know if sign and trades are what they used to be that may that was probably a reason too in the old days you definitely saw a lot of sign and trades which is how bosch and lebron went to miami but like the the idea of like okay like we're just gonna just try and tank again and try to get another player of that caliber again it doesn't make any sense the whole reason you're doing all this is to get that player so now that you have that player try to make it work right so um so i thought that was interesting about how yeah it, it just now. it just speaks to you know whether it's free agent or you know you're in the middle of a five-year deal and like after two you just uh, i want out um we are in a pro player player yeah. empowerment movement where they're clearly calling all the shots. They are the ones handcuffing the owners. And um, but I think it um, used to be, yeah. So what? Well, I'm just trying to think of what sport kind of started first because North American sports all kind of like, they kind of evolve right uh, to, to that now and you're kind of seeing it in all sports, right? So a lot of what we're talking here isn't just uh, an NBA thing. Um, it's kind of a North American sports culture movement. And just look at the free agent, you know, like here in Canada, I'm sure you remember, and I don't blame you for not remembering, but like the hockey trade line shows starting at like 6 a.m. And they have these war rooms and just these uh, idiot morons and their blackberries like, oh, I, yeah, think, I, hate that. I, I always some, hated that so much. Oh, I think we're getting some some action from from Dallas. They might be training their first and their third. What do you have, Bob McKenzie? Oh, I'm hearing the same thing there, Doug. So it's just it's it's a TV creation. Um, but LeBron James doing what he did and kind of other sports leagues. It's just it's just the an evolution where I can't think of one sport right now in 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 the world um that players really don't control their their destiny right um yeah. the, the only thing i can think of is is an mma right now right um is the ufc but it's only 25 years old the league yeah. um but since the zufa acquisition it's, it's still relatively young i mean these guys just don't know how to bar uh, collectively bargain yet or um you know there's not really a rival uh, sports uh, league to um to negotiate off of 
Yeah. I mean, I just thought it's interesting that the teams, the way that they manage this, it's like they're like, what's the big deal about like a player leaves in say a year and a half, two years. Okay. So then you just get to the end of the contract. So it's not like the end of the world. If you don't have traffic at the end of that, like you will get it later. You, you, you get the star player for another time. Like the worst case was like when Cleveland kept worrying about their future. I'm like, you have LeBron deal with LeBron. Don't worry about your future. Worst, because they talk about the worst TV moment. So I wanted to just, I'm going to rattle off just a few to you. You can comment okay. on them or you can kind of give me yours. But I looked up just a bunch. There's no ranking and there's probably way more than that. But I already came with some worst worst TV moments. So I don't agree. Okay. I don't agree with them saying that was the worst ever. I don't know who says that. No, but, no. Um, worst TV moments. Roseanne Barr sings the national anthem. Yes, Michael that Jackson. Was, that was terrible. <laughs> Michael Jackson in, does the interview where he talks about sharing beds with kids. Then... Michael Jackson holding a baby over the balcony, mimicking he's going to drop the baby. Yep. Then Michael Jackson kisses Lisa Marie, Marie Presley at the 94 MTV Video Jesus Music Awards. Christ. Is this like Michael Jackson hour? What's going yeah. on here? Sarah Palin interviews, uh, interviewed by Carrie, Katie Couric. Mm. Janet Jackson, wardrobe malfunction with Justin Timberlake. Uh, Ross on Friends when he, uh, when he says Rachel's name at the wedding and then everything after that. And the OC, everything after season one. So I've already got like a series of moments on TV that were way worse than the decision. So I don't agree with anybody who thought that that was, decision was all that bad. No, it's it's not because, again, we needed a show like this to point out that there was some cringeworthy moments. Like no <laughs> one, no one even like we all remember. Oh, who was um was it Carl Lewis that sang the national anthem? Free and NBA. Oh, okay, no, like the, to me now. that's. Yeah, that's one of the worst ones, um, NBA okay. wise. Um, I mean, isn't Malice in the Palace considered like I know it gets like a million hits on YouTube, oh, but, yeah. but that, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was completely that, forgot about that. That has to be like the worst one of the worst sports moments of all time, NBA wise. So, yeah, I think the NBA's got way worse moments than um, than the LeBron one, if if you even consider that bad TV, which which I don't. <laughs> the, fact, the, fact, the fact you have to comb through it uh, to point out that it's bad to you just tells you right there that you know, <laughs> yeah. people are just yeah. But um. So what um? How would you have done it better? Let's say you were the producer, you were Maverick. Like Ooh. knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? Um. Good question. Um, I would have done it. Um. Times Square. New okay. York Times Square, yeah. Just like if if I'm so if I'm Maverick, right? Yeah. So and, and and I have LeBron's ear. Oh yeah. Or even even like you know what what Paul Heyman does to certain guys, just kind of like pumps up their tires. I think mm -hmm. like me being like you know having watched Paul Heyman for all these years, just just make it more over the top, even if it's not within LeBron's character. But like okay. you know um, the charity thing was cool. But like maybe New York Times Square, um, I would okay. have gotten Stuart Scott. I would have, you know, I'm sorry, I would have gotten an African American. Um, okay, just I think that's was it's just better for optics. Um, okay, and I would have done it. Um, I'm okay. So this is where I this is I guess this is the argument, right? Do you do it when something else is going on on TV, or do you do it as a standalone thing? I think it should have been like you know quick 10 minute thing boom 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 okay. and people know that it's going to be live at nine o'clock and it's going to be like it's going to take 10 minutes and therefore you can really have 
um, a lot of people tune in. But but I think they got it. You know, they they got me to watch, so okay. I can't really argue with what they did. I think like the Times Square. If you do it there, you pretty much have to say you're going to New York, right? Like, how do you uh, like? Go and... Except you're a heel and you say you're going to go to Miami, which is amazing. <laughs> which is amazing. So what that, uh... they, they they got that part right, right? Because they what they did in Connecticut. So everyone was right. You're not going to make a TV event just to yeah. say you're coming back to Cleveland, right? That's so people already, and that's another thing. Like these. Well, that was the original idea Bill had. Bill Simmons thought that it would be like do a TV event and you announce you're going back to Cleveland and well, everybody's rejoicing. It's great TV. And then when Boston beat them bad, he just assumed uh, LeBron's leaving Cleveland. He thought right. he was going to New York. So he's like, that's why he's like, well, there's no right. way you're doing a TV show now. And then he's doing the TV show. He's like, what? Well, he's just going to do the TV show. Yeah. Well, it just speaks that's to why. all the it just speaks to all the derelicts staring at the TV. It's like, oh, I think we got a chance. Like, no, he's on TV. He's not coming back to Cleveland. You might as well burn your jersey right now, um, and 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 save the embarrassment. Like, yeah, he's well, not going to your bum town. Um, no, no. Like, well, Bill Simmons assumed that by doing the TV show it was a mistake because he's like, well, there's no like, why would he do the TV show if he's going to announce he's leaving? Like, it makes sense to do the TV show if he's announcing staying. That's what right. That's what his take. So was. I'm I'm approaching it from. Um, kind of a wrestling point of view, an ego yeah. point of view. I'm I'm saying like, okay, this if if I'm going to be a brand, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to like, you know, Woj is just not going to like announce that I'm going to Miami, right? <laughs> I'm going I'm going to do this TV event and go somewhere else. So yeah, that's why I think if that's what Bill Simmons was thinking, then no, I think that's because but he he had to have known LeBron had to have known that. You know, there is a huge segment of the basketball audience that tunes in to watch him, but also doesn't like him. And the fact that he knew that he like he had to have known like a lot of it was going to backfire and this and that. So the fact that he was going to go ahead well, with it just just goes to show you that like he was prepared for a lot of the backlash. So no, but wait, though, no, like, yeah, if you recall in the in the in the show and other stories after is that apparently all the his camp was really dejected on the airplane to miami because they were really not really they were actually kind of surprised by how bad the reaction was for whatever reason you can argue that it was short like misguided or whatever but that's wow. what they were thinking and yeah i could like yeah. and lebron's not um like he's not really meant to be a heel like he wasn't comfortable with it in miami so it's not like He's not so, like uh, what that guy, Chael, Chael Sonnen. Like Chael he's not Sonnen. Like that. So this was all. What you're saying is this was all accidental heat. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. In that case, in that case, like no, then I then there's nothing I could have done because had I been the producer, and say <laughs> I knew that he was gonna go to a different team, that's why I would have done it in like Times Square. I'm like, listen, if you're gonna crush an entire city, and also a lot, <laughs> and also people like me, right, who had no vested interest in the Cleveland Cavaliers, but was gonna call you a dick for doing that dick move, um, right. then yeah, that's that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go to Times Square. You're gonna get. Um, Stuart Scott to be like, uh, boot yeah, LeBron James has just announced he's going to uh, the Miami Heat, right? Um, that would have been that's that's me putting on my producer's cap. But if you're telling me this heat was completely accidental, then that's just hilarious. I I don't even know what I would think <laughs> at that point, right? Like, I think um, I there was the uh, the video um, that I didn't see it uninterrupted, but 
it's him and Randy and Maverick and Rich. They're all four of them are talking and they're sort of reliving the decision. Uh-huh. I actually think what's really going on there is they're, they are filming the decision as they would have done it if they um, could have done a, done a do-over and back and going back in time. Like it's the four guys right. have the camera on them. They ask, they have a conversation together. They talk, they give LeBron like the platform to like kind of share all the thoughts through his head and why he would switch and why he's going. And that's what they would have, they would have done. Um, like I, I, cause when I came up with this question, I kind of was asking like before I saw that part, like, I think um, I agree with you with the interview. You would have to change that. I mean, I'm viewing it through a 2020 lens, I guess, because we're just, I think, a lot more aware and, like, think about those kinds of things, like optics, like, you know, how, how that kind of stuff resonates with people that in 2010, we weren't always thinking that kind of way. Um, and um, and I think, like, what I would have done, maybe, if you had, like, let's assume you had to do it with some kind of spectacle, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of the, the fun of the question is taken out if we say, okay, we'll just do what they did on, on the yeah. where there's no fans around. Let's say you have to have people around, you have to have a crowd. Okay, if you wanted to do it heel style like you did, like, then for sure, I guess Times Square kind of works. Like, you got, like, New York fans all upset because they think you're coming to New York. Like, why would you go right to Madison, like, the doorstep of Madison Square Garden just to say you're not going to go there? It's amazing. Um, oh, even but, better. Like, Madison Square Garden, center course. Even better. <laughs> what I think maybe if you wanted to play it up heel, what they sh- could have done, and it would have like looked good, like in terms of aesthetics, is mm-hmm. he just shows up. It's like there is like some party that Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch are having at the W <laughs> Hotel in South Beach, okay. and they're just celebrating. It's a, it's a white party. You televise it. You turn it into like a concert. Like some people are performing. Like so maybe uh, who do you have down in Miami? You got Pitbull. Um, I don't know if you have Diddy or Drake. No, no, you like, have Trick. You have Trick Daddy, man. You got a real okay. Florida rappers. Yeah. Well, sure. Pitbull is Pitbull's in Miami. Like he's, he's yeah. But so he's so is Trick Daddy. And okay. Uh, so yeah. okay, let me let me lay it out for you. Okay, so you got one of those two guys hosting it. I think you go with Pitbull. Um, yeah. in my opinion, but yeah, he's hosting it. It's a party, not just a list celebrities, but like just the Miami scene because mm-hmm. you've got Wade and LeBron, and there's like a stage, and it's it's a white party, so everyone's got to wear white shirts, yeah. white clothes. Maybe you have like one Miami Heat logo at the back, but it's kind of in shades of white as well. And then after Wade and LeBron, um, and Bosch have sort of just like taken turns, like just doing their thing, having fun. And then at the very end of the show, maybe it's Christina Aguilera. And then from like the entrance or the back up on stage, out walks LeBron. And then mm-hmm. he just like, and then everyone's going nuts. And then, yeah. um, and then they just, which actually I sort of, it's, I guess it's something like I'm blending in the, the actual, uh, show that they actually did that whatever yeah. that, that thing was but it's different because he's wearing white <laughs> and yeah. it just looks cool on tv it's like the kim kardashian wedding and yeah. then um and then the thing is that's if you want it to be true heel and you wanted it to look good on tv instead yeah. of heel and it looks awkward on tv um yeah if you but, wanted it to yeah what are you gonna say no no, no. I, was, I was gonna say you're right and he's not a true heel he actually probably thought that he was doing a cool thing and that people would respect him for making a decision. And it was a charitable event and, you know, people would look the other way at the cringeworthy aspects and not think it was an, an ego money grab type of thing, but um, yeah. Accidental heat. I mean, yeah, we, you nailed it. So the um, um, yeah. So, and then if you wanted to somehow, I don't know if you can do this being a face, but if he were just going to his high school gym in Akron, Mm-hmm. And he had gathered everybody there, and mm-hmm. 
he like maybe he just made a huge donation to like yeah um to to some foundation or you yeah. just I don't know what what it could be. He said, guys, like hey, this is where I'm from. You raised me, uh, man. I'm sorry we couldn't do it, but like now it's time for me to go to yes, like Miami because I just need to take care of this. Yes. Um, whatever, blah 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 blah, and like maybe that might have gone over yeah. differently. Maybe yeah. I don't know. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. Would have gone over differently. Um, that would have been good, uh, better probably, and more more in line with. I mean, we see him building the school now. So yeah, yeah, a gymnasium full of kids, maybe a ribbon cutting store. Maybe he does in a brand new gym that he just opened in Akron. Sure, and community it's him. exactly. Yeah. Um, you just actually yeah. brought up something that like told like I thought about it, and now like thank you for um for making me remember it. So. It's so funny how, like, some people just get a pass. Like, Wayne Gretzky, like, completely ditched the Edmonton Oilers, right? Because it's it's Edmonton, Alberta. It's it's snow. He got traded, though. He he forced a trade. Um, He he, he absolutely could have stayed. I mean, Wayne Gretzky had, like, an L.A. wife. He wanted to move to L.A., just like a lot of Canadian hockey players do. Um, did I mention he was in Edmonton, Alberta, like <laughs> population zeros? Like who the heck wants to be in Edmonton, right? Like no offense, <laughs> but like it's it's Edmonton, L.A., Edmonton, L.A. Gee, I wonder, right? Um, no, he completely – and like he – so just like LeBron, just – and the funny thing is Wayne won in Edmonton and actually he left and he, he, he lost another cup. Like they won a cup without him. Right. So, and he never won a cup after. Um, Oh yeah. Like, so, so the Kings, Kings, the Kings beat the Leafs. Yes. And then they went to the finals, but then they lost to Montreal. Oh yeah. Patrick Waugh was just completely unstoppable and he was, uh, he was MVP. There was no beating. Um, I think, so we're talking 92 Habs. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they beat, they beat, uh, Toronto in seven games. So, so Wayne, but Wayne Gretzky did everything that a baby face would do. He was crying. He was wiping his tears. He said, I promised mess. I wouldn't cry. Oh, it's our little Wayne Gretzky, our little boy from, where's he from? Stratford, Ontario or Kingston or whatever. Walter Gretzky built that fucking pond in his backyard. Like everyone knows Wayne Gretzky's story and um, Bradford, I think he's from. And um, yeah, everyone knows like Wayne Gretzky and Walter Gretzky's story. And it's just, it's such, it's such like Canadian heritage, <laughs> um, you know, bullshit, like uh, story <laughs> that like, you know, this guy was crying on TV. People were crying at home, but he did the exact same thing. that LeBron James did. He left, he left for the hot wife. He left for the hot city. He left for the money and the acting and just to raise his Q rating. And he probably thought he was going to win more cups because, Oh my God, this okay. whole, I'm going to build a, uh, I'm going to build, um, you know, I'm going to build an entire state around me. Right. Like, yeah. he's like, like he was the attraction I'm in LA. Like right. And, um, so he, so here's Wayne Gretzky doing essentially the exact same thing, right? He also could have done everything behind the scenes, but no, he had to go into the press. He had to, he had to, they had to make an announcement. They made him cry on TV. He cried on TV and, you know, and what we're, we're lionizing him and shitting on LeBron. Like, <laughs> so, and I'll let people make their own conclusions as to why that happened. A good point. I, I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> I, think it's I think it's pretty obvious, right? 
And you know, yeah. the owner, the owner of the Oilers never wrote a scathing what were people doing back. <laughs> yeah, what were people doing in the 80s? Like faxing or 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 carbon copying or whatever they were doing, telegram. Like, no, there was none of that. He didn't go to like the Edmonton or Calgary Sun and you know, take out a full page ad roasting Wingress. No, they thanked him. They they love him. This will all you'll always be 99 here type of thing. So, you know, complete okay. contrast to LeBron James. Right. Because I thought part of the it was a thirty it was a ESPN E sixty or thirty for thirty or it was a terrible things? it was it was actually one of the worst thirty for thirties oh, was the Wayne Gretzky. Okay. I did not like it. Did you do you remember okay. it? Yeah, do you remember? Well, it? It was, the, it the part bad. that I remembered, I don't remember everything because I don't think I cared enough. But like, I thought the thing was that the team wasn't gonna afford him in the yes. future. I didn't want to yes. really deal with him, and yes. he was even listening on a call where the when like where the he actually heard the general manager of the Oilers say like, yeah, and he's even showing that the fact that he heard that the uh, GM was even open to trading him, like mm. it's kind of like. Uh, like Lamar finding out the Lakers, Lamar Odom finding out yeah. that the Lakers were open to trading. It just it just changed your relationship with uh, yes, with yeah. him. Like oh, I don't like this, and so now I'm out. Like mm-hmm. kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the just 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 before you just head out, I I just like thought that the interesting thing you brought up about the way that they promote hockey in Canada, like the media does, like uh, it's a Canadian story and that kind of stuff. Like I actually think that's to the detriment of the sport. Like in terms of its appeal, like yeah, um, 100%. because you're basically saying like we only we only want this type of person following your sport, and it's one of yeah. the big reasons I could never follow that sport. And the thing is, though, is like what I realize is it's it's changing I mean, though it's changing though. Okay, and it has to because that yeah, just absolutely. you know you look at population demographics, mm-hmm. migration mm-hmm. patterns, birth mm-hmm. birth rates, like it has yep. to. Because the thing is, if you look down here in the states, like San Jose, where I'm at, like they, quite a lot of people do. They're sharks fans. Like quite yes. a, like there's one guy at work who really talks about it all the time, and I feel a bit bad. Like I think he thinks that he's talking to like this guy from Canada who he can talk all the hockey with, and yeah. he hasn't quite picked up that that, that I don't know anything what yeah. he's talking about. But like um, they follow because they appreciate the sport. You know, mm-hmm. now number one is it's the only team in San Jose of like the big four sports. Like that's, yeah. that's their team. But two is like if you are a hockey fan, they appreciate the sport just in the same way that they might appreciate a Warriors team, a basketball team, or like yeah. the 49ers who are just like down the road from me, right? Yeah. But they don't, they don't, because they don't wrap up any of these sports with this narrative. Like it's a, it's like, it's a, it's about how patriotic you can be or whatever, right? Like, um, it's just like, it's a sport. And so I could, I can kind of get behind it that way. But like when in Canada, the way they cover the Leafs or really any of the NHL, like it just turned me off. It just, I couldn't get on with it. Couldn't get on board with it. Um, I think NASCAR's having their reckoning with this stuff yes, too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But but anyway, um, just so that I add on that last point, man. But this is great. I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. reliving the decision and covering this and like just diving into this, man. Is there anything else you uh, wanted to add on before we head off? No, man. I think we um, I think we got it. Cool, man. So BayHeightsPod at gmail.com, at BayHeightsPod on Twitter and Instagram. Send us all your feedback. Please rate, review, subscribe. Thank you, everybody. Good night, everyone.